We're back. Big time implications potentially from this joint advisory committee that the SEC and Big Ten are forming. What do you think about it? 875-KTGR, call or text us. It's more of just like, you know, what could happen in the future, uh, more so than what's actually happening happening now. But it's the start of something potentially big. So we'll just have to keep watching it as it goes along. Super Bowl is not this weekend, so we still got to wait more than a week for the 49ers and Chiefs to lock up and play for an NFL championship. But why not talk some early thoughts on it with our good friend Rob Vino of wagertalk.com here on the KTGR hotline. Gives a sports from Vegas perspective and on Twitter at Rob Vino Sports. Robbie, how are you today? I am good today, Andy, and thank God. You know, I never used to like the two-week wait for the Super Bowl, but in recent years, with the proposition package put out by the Las Vegas uh, Superbook that is now up to 61 pages long, I'm happy to have two weeks to go <laughs> through this um, sort of journal of what's to be, and I just uh, actually last night printed it out, and tonight we'll begin the work. So it's a lot to comprehend, but hey, it's what they give us two weeks for. Exactly. So uh, that, that's that, that's a nice little uh, uh, cushion there to be able to go through it all. But I just wonder, you know, with, with this matchup in particular and how it, it shapes up, I mean, was it kind of what you expected uh, in the end with the 49ers and Chiefs? I know that kind of different paths to get there. Uh, 49ers having to come from behind in both of their playoff games. The Chiefs kind of turning the switch on and getting the plays that they needed to advance through each round. I just wonder how you uh, kind of see both teams as far as whatever momentum they can muster up after a two-week uh, waiting period into this game. Yeah, well, first off, I'll say that heading into last Sunday and prior to the first kickoff, any one of the four combinations that could have happened would not have surprised me. What we um, what did surprise me, I'll tell you the truth, guys, is that as the San Francisco game was winding down, you know, less than a minute to play and evident that they were just going to take a knee and win the game. I was actually texting with a a buddy and, and said, you know, I'm waiting for the opener here. I figure Kansas City will probably open as about a two, two-and-a-half-point favorite. And five minutes later, San Francisco opened as the two-and-a-half-point favorite. So that was the surprise to me that San Francisco um, got the oddsmakers' attention early. But my – um, my perception there was simply based off of what I've seen with my eyes the last two weeks. And we know that these odds makers use power ratings to make the numbers. And if you do go through power ratings and I keep them myself, when I went and sat down and put mine, um, you know, did the addition or the subtraction here with mine, the numbers fair. San Francisco had climbed the power ratings ladder all season long, second to Baltimore um, in strength. And Kansas City, it shows how far down the ladder they had fallen, only to climb back up these last couple of weeks to where they're at. So, number was fair where they said it. Where they said it, um, early money came in and pushed it down to one. Uh, the immediate money, like myself, just said I got to take the Chiefs plus two and a half, and then it's been taken back since the two. And we'll see where it goes this week. But that was the surprise. And as to, you know, what they can do. Um, you know, I guess practice starts this week, so all the, all the um, outside noise ends once this uh, week begins, and then they get down to business. But we probably got the two best teams, even though we could sit here a while. I'm sure you guys did uh, for the good part of the week here 
discuss what could have been different as far as outcomes are concerned in both of those games. And, Robbie, I loved your breakdown of the point spread and kind of the journey it took, maybe starting in a surprising spot. And you can talk about the power ratings and how it's a fair place to put it. But at the end of the day, when you've got Patrick Mahomes on one side and on the other side, I'm not going to disparage Brock Purdy, but you don't have Patrick Mahomes on the other side, and the side with Mahomes is getting the points. What kind of warm fuzzies does that give you going into a Super Bowl? Because that's kind of the way I look at the point spread with where it is at present. And, and you know what? That's always the headline to the Chiefs story, right? It's we have Patrick Mahomes and you don't. But you watch the game Sunday, and I think when I was on with you guys last Friday, I'm not sure that we discussed it entirely. I was on so many shows last week talking about it, I can't remember. But what you reminded of immediately in that game, and I'm so glad that I backed Kansas City early in the first half in that game, what you're reminded of is how good of a coaching staff they have. I mean, that should actually be the headline even above Patrick Mahomes is that Andy Reid and his, they outcoach people in these games. And when you have Travis Kelsey and the other side knows you have Travis Kelsey and they're supposed to be the best defense in the NFL and maybe the best defense that Baltimore's had since 2006, whatever we heard all week long last week, and then Patrick Mahomes comes out in the first half and throws the ball to Kelsey 10 times and completes all 10. The other side, it reminded me of the second half against the Eagles in the Super Bowl where there might not have been a defender within five yards of any Chiefs receiver in the third and fourth quarters. They just outcoached the other side. And I know Kyle Shanahan's a smart guy. And I know, but, you know, is Steve Wilkes going to match wits with Andy Reid with two weeks to get around? I'm just not sure that anybody can. So, Back to your original point, Brendan, I, I know Patrick Mahomes, and he should get the bulk of the attention, but I think what gets lost in the shuffle is how good Andy Reid is, how good Steve Spagnola is. I thought that that team would get out in front, and let's see how Baltimore reacts to being behind. They've never reacted good in the playoffs in that situation. They didn't react good again last week. Uh, Kansas City, 14 quick points, 17 in the first half, and I think all the damage – it maybe Baltimore shut them down in the second half, but the damage was already done. Once they got ahead 17-7 to and got inside Baltimore's heads, um, I think it was case closed from that point on. Rob Vino of wagertalk.com with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. All right, Robbie, so we'll save some more of our uh, Super Bowl thoughts for next week. But uh, for college basketball this weekend, uh, maybe going to a game that – might not be as much on your radar because both these teams have yet to win an SEC game. But Mizzou's going to Vandy. I just, with how you've seen Mizzou on the basketball floor this year and how this last stretch they've had has been pretty awful, uh, What what's kind of been the way that you've changed your evaluation of how you see Mizzou against the number a lot of the time and and kind of what you're seeing this weekend as they still are looking for that first win? It's funny, Andy, because their most recent game against Arkansas, and you know, me, me and Brendan talk about it a lot here when I'm on this segment with you, but the way I like to play totals, and when I saw the opening total, Missouri and Arkansas, I thought to myself, there's no way in God's name I'm not playing over in this game. And then I started, you know, I talked myself off it by going through Missouri results the past three or four games and how pathetic the offense had been. I said, you know what, I can't, I can't even bring myself to do it because they're showing me no consistency offensively. And what happens, you know, Arkansas scores in the 90s, Mizzou gets high 80s, and 
the game goes way over. So they're inconsistently, and I guess you could say the same about the Razorbacks coming into that game, wildly inconsistent. They should have been better this year than they are. It probably gives Vanderbilt at home some hope that they can win that game. I mean, when Vanderbilt's looking down their schedule, well, what's winnable? Maybe Mizzou on Saturday isn't for Mizzou. Going to Vanderbilt, what's winnable on the road? Well, Vanderbilt should be winnable on the road. I really don't have a good feel for what sort of effort you're going to get from game to game with the Missouri Tigers. Um, as you mentioned, the results haven't been good. And it's it's kind of crazy because Dennis Gates made a pretty good splash last year coming in, and talent level being what it is, probably a little subpar to what it was last year, but they don't seem to have the same chemistry or anything cohesiveness that they had last season. So they're just a tough call right now. Obviously, they've been downgraded um, power ratings-wise by odds makers, by handicappers, by sports bettors, by everybody, um, to the point where you're asking yourself, can you win at Vanderbilt? Yeah, and that's a big if. We'll see uh, what happens uh, tomorrow. Uh, also tomorrow, big-time College Hoops matchup, and it's like this way every single year, but when both Duke and North Carolina are ranked in the top 10, it gets even more attention. So what's kind of the way that you see this matchup playing out on uh, on Saturday night with these uh, these two powerhouse programs locking, uh, locking horns once again? Yeah, we don't have a number yet. We won't have one for about maybe the next 20 minutes or so, um, usually 6 o'clock East Coast, um, 5 o'clock Central. We'll get Saturday's openers, but I will say this. I think there's a large upside for Duke still um, here in the month of February where as we get closer to – well, every day we'll, we'll get closer to bubble talk and, you know, um, conference tournament stuff and all that. So these games become a little more important. Um, for UNC, they're probably the team that has been in better form for most of the year, but I do think that the other side has more upside. And according to what the number is in this game, I'm going to look towards Duke first. And then wherever the number takes me from there, I'll uh, counterpunch to that. And where the total is concerned, guys, it's interesting. You usually expect a high-scoring game out of these two. And I I don't say that I wouldn't expect that again. But as most all sports now, when you start looking at where the odds makers open up these totals on games, a lot of times they just price you out of playing over from the beginning. So without a number, it's hard for me to make a commitment whether I would play Duke as a side or whether I would play over the total. But I have a feeling they're going to outprice me on the total, and I'll be looking more towards Duke. Like I say, just something about watching them lately seems like they they could um, be in store for a big February. We'll see. Rob Vino of WagerTalk.com with us here on the Big Show KTGR. All right, Robbie, what's the – free pick this weekend that you really like it's so funny as soon as you started talking and the opening line started popping up on my screen they're about a tenth of the way down the schedule uh-huh. because on saturday the college basketball is so huge but um i will say this um let's go to what we have tonight um from tonight let's go to the nba why not we'll go to the nba right. and I'm going to make a case for the Atlanta Hawks and sort of divide this up, guys. Not play game or total, but play team total with the Atlanta Hawks. The number here is 123. They're a home underdog tonight. They're a team that, you know, Mizzou fans, you're familiar with Quinn Snyder. Um, Since Quinn Snyder's taken over, the team's made zero improvement, right? Why they fired Nate McMillan, some people could ask. 
you know, why did he even do that? Because nothing's changed in that man. The, pro- the, pro- <laughs> the problem for this team is that the health has been pretty bad all season. I mean, a lot of NBA teams go through injuries. Atlanta's gone through some, but they became healthy about three games ago. And it's a high-scoring team anyway. It's interesting to note that they average 122 points per game, a little over that, despite the fact that they walked through some injuries this year. And their team total tonight is 123 against Phoenix. Last three games since everybody's been back, every game has gone over this mark of 123. You're going to catch a Phoenix side that while they're playing better ball, for sure, we're only worried about how many points the Hawks score in this instance. Um, Phoenix is in the fifth game of a seven-game road trip. Could be a start for some defensive fatigue to set in here. Uh, I think Atlanta can take advantage of any of that. Friday night home crowds generally, uh, in my line of thinking, generate points if you're able to do so. Atlanta's a team at home that's able to do so. They're probably going to give up a bunch. Thus, the game total is like 249 or 250. But I do think the Hawks will find their way to 124. So that's what I'm going to leave you with tonight, guys. Don't. Close your eyes when the Hawks are on defense. Just root for the ball to go through the hoop when they're on offense. Atlanta Hawks team total over 123. There you go. It's easy to root for. So uh, 123 and a half on the team total uh, for the Atlanta Hawks tonight. Go over that, says Rob Bino at wagertalk.com. For sports from a Vegas perspective, always great to have him here on Fridays here on the Big Show. You can find him at Rob Bino Sports on Twitter and on wagertalk.com. Thanks, Robbie, for coming on as always. Hope all's well. I'm getting ready for uh, Super Bowl week next week. We'll talk soon. Yeah, always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a good weekend.